1: Sarah's gonna get up and share. We, as you guys know, she's gonna read you the pot for this week. These prayers of the seasons, these are not something we take lightly. We seek the Lord for a long period of time, asking Him, What's your heart for us in this season for what you're gonna do? She's gonna start the next pot in our series, which is a vision for spiritual formation, which is her heart. That's her ministry. That's what God's gifted her in, is helping people to grow in the Lord, right? And so, um, we really see this as being something we want. It's All of this spiritual formation is in development in our church, right? We're two and a half years old. So like with the other pots, we need grace as we grow, right? We're not 10 years old. You know, it's like when a two and a half year old does something dumb, it's cool, right? <laughs> We're two and a half, so we can still get away with doing dumb stuff. Um, I say that to to be uh, honest about, we just, we need grace for one another, and as we talk about spiritual formation, it's one of those concepts churches are not real good at. Churches are typically good at creating a space for people to gather together and enamoring them for about an hour and a half, and then sending them back into their lives. So we want to be good at the opposite. How do we live fully the other times? And so Sarah's gifted, um, and she's going to share with you today on A Vision for Spiritual Formation. Amen? Cheer for her. (laughs)
0: Guys, silly. Okay, so you know how I love deep breathing, right? So, everyone, deep breath in. (sighs) So, for me, that is breathing out my expectations, my words, my thoughts, and breathing in the life of God. I truly want His words for you guys today. Um, So, I'm going to read the pot, which is the vision for spiritual formation. Um, and so we pray that we wisely develop further contexts of spiritual formation and guidance for youth, women, and men. And our verse, by the way, I forgot my Bible today, so I found this one in the lost and found. <laughs> so if this is your Bible, thank you for letting me borrow it. Thank you for losing it so that I could borrow it this morning. Um, okay, so we're going to read, and this is actually not my like main text, but... This is our prayer verse. So we really hope you guys are praying through this, but this is, if you're like, I don't know really what to pray for spiritual formation, then you could actually pray this verse. Um, So 2 Corinthians 3, 18, and it says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit we are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. God, that's good, so good. Um, okay, so I'm gonna pray. Jesus, our desire is to be transformed into your likeness. Sometimes it seems really impossible. Um, But I'm so thankful that you left the Holy Spirit and you gave us a community and you gave us the tools and everything we need for life and godliness. And so, God, we want your wisdom as a community here at River City to know how to position ourselves to be formed by your Spirit that we could be like Jesus in character and in conduct. And, Lord, so the words that I have to say, you know these are coming out of a place of passion inside me. But if it's just my passion, let it stay inside. If it's the passion for this community to grab onto, let it come forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I, I'm like making all weird S sounds, right? Yeah, that would be super annoying for us all. Yeah, (laughs) that's better. Thank you. Pro. Okay, so um, one of our... Vision tenets, where is it? Right here, disciples making disciples. Um, and so we're really, really serious about our vision. It's the place from which everything flows and it's the filter. So as we are talking through what our church should be a part of, what our church should look like, these four things sort of filter things out. So we believe that we should be disciples making disciples. Shake your head if you agree with that. Awesome. All right, but. When we talk about discipleship, how that actually plays out in our community is directed by what kind of people we think we are. So first we have to decide what kind of people are we. So my first question to you is, are we thinkers or are we lovers? What do you guys think, thinkers or lovers? We are lovers. We are lovers more than we are thinkers. There's a verse in the Bible, I mean, there's a word used in scripture for the word heart. If you've read scripture a good deal, you will see this verse a lot, or this word a lot. It's cardia, everyone say cardia. cardia. Okay, so this word is used over 800 times in scripture and never once actually means heart. It always means the effective center of our being. One commentator said, it's the desire producer that makes us tick. So everything that we do, that we move after, comes out of this cardia, this deep place of being. It's who we are, it's how we're wired, it's what we love. So, we were first made to love God, right? We were made to love God and love others. That is the purest sense of what it means to be a human being. Love God, love others. And so, we start at that place. Okay, if we are lovers, then we need to disciple lovers. The trick is a lot of us are hung up on this knowledge because we believe that, disi- so disciple means learner. We've talked about this in the past. The word disciple means learner, and so immediately we're like, oh, knowledge. That's what we need to do. We need to have like lots, we need to fill our minds with lots of knowledge, and then we can be good disciples. So we think it's really information-based, um, but the problem is, It doesn't work. If you look around the scope of the church, is that working? No, it doesn't work. Information discipleship never works. We need formational discipleship. That actually means forming the heart. And so that's why we use this word spiritual formation. So like, what is spiritual formation? You see this, sometimes I say this word, and sometimes when we describe what I do and I do spiritual formation, I'm sure people are like, that makes no sense. Um, So I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna put this down because I don't need it right now. Um, What is formation? Well, when I think about formation, I think of like Play-Doh. If you're a mom, you probably hate Play-Doh. Does every mom hate Play-Doh? It's like the worst. You love it because you're like, I know my kids are gonna love this for 30 minutes, but then I'm gonna clean it up for four hours. But like think about watching a child play with play Think about the forming, right? Think about it's in your hands, right? He you has to have the right pressure. You have to have imagination. You have to have vision, right? But it's not just like, God didn't program us, right? He formed us, taking the time and forming. So that's this idea, it implies process. It implies process. All right, so we ask, well, what are we being formed into? So we are being actually reformed into true humans. Well, who's an example of a true human? Jesus, right? As disciples of Jesus, we are to bear the image of God faithfully to the world. Now, in the past we have used, I just prayed this, spiritual formation is becoming like Jesus in character and in conduct. So our heart as people of River City is to live out the gospel story in a way that true humans were made to live out the gospel story. All right, so my whole heart today is to change the the help us understand the way that our hearts are formed, and what agents are forming us because we're a lot of times really oblivious to this. Then we can move on to positioning ourselves to truly be formed by God in the right way. Um, so we're gonna go back to the beginning because I love what I love is like weaving. If you guys have ever heard me speak I love like finding a thread and so as I was praying about formation I was like formed when was the first formation Genesis everything for me goes back to Genesis um, it's just such a poetic and really rich book um, so we're going to read Genesis 1 7 through 22 together and this is the first formation and as like a side note think about the chapter um, Psalm 139 where God says like David says I was knit together Like this language, it's language of formation and knitting and creating. Um, So we're going to pull up, I might read it from, ai am going to read it from here so we're all in the same version. Because I don't know what version this is, it's not my Bible. Okay, verse 7, so God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it and it was so. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. And God called the dry ground land, and the gathered water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. I'm wondering if I'm in the wrong chapter, so hold on. I love that Josh does this all the time, so you're totally cool with it. (laughs) Listen, every week I get it from you. So what I really should have just done was like prepared all these like digs. I'm totally in the wrong verse. I am, chapter, I'm so sorry. Or maybe I was just, I don't know, this morning I was thinking, I need to fact check all my verses. Maybe I should have done that. Okay, thanks, thanks guys. Thanks for grace, so awesome uh, okay, we're just gonna skip, that's what I did, I was like the whole chapter, which is super awesome, but we're not gonna read the whole thing right now, um, so can we go to, um, oh, okay, where is it, okay, it is verse, it is verse seven, where, all right, I don't don't know, I just have it here, so I'm just gonna read it, because now I'm super confused, all right, Genesis 2 verse 7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm going to skip. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. Okay, and then verse 20, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. It's a crazy story, by the way. Anyone just read that and go, that is really just (laughs) crazy. Um, But it's so beautiful, right? Can't you just see it? This is why scripture is so rich because it's got all these metaphors and artistic language. You can like literally see it happening. But this is what I want to sort of point out. And I love going back to Genesis because it shows the picture of really what things were meant to be what they should have looked like, felt like, smelled like. And so this garden was a place of shalom. It was a place where God and creation and people were in perfect harmony. That was how things were meant to be, perfect shalom. All right, now Adam and Eve, we could say that what they had was a really good life, right? That's the good life, all right? They had these... Sort of in the rhythm of their day, practices of communion both with nature and with God and with each other. Okay, it sort of had a rhythm to it, and we might call this <coughs> liturgy. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have something in my throat. Liturgy, liturgy. Okay, um, it was a rhythm, right? What happened out of that was they did some beautiful work, right? They, like, named the animals, and they communed with nature, and their creative work was good, and they loved it. So then, bum, 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 sin happened, the evil serpent, right? Um, But God had a plan. So he decides, I'm going to make a covenant with Abraham, and I'm going to choose these people, Israel, and they are going to show what it looks like to live faithfully in covenant with God. Yay! And so now we go to Exodus 19. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, because now I'm worried that I'm like reading, reading, reading. Okay. Um, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you out on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now I know why I wanted to read this, because of that verse. That's so good. Ah, so good. Now if you obey me and fully keep my covenant, then all the nations, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Okay? Okay. And so that's where I'm gonna stop, but in this chapter and throughout Exodus, you see God sort of set up um, a rhythm for the Israelites to do life. The rhythm included sacrifices, right? It included festivals, it included rituals, it included a place of worship, right? Gave them really specific instructions on how to create this place of worship. And the purpose of all of that was to help them orient themselves to God, right? If you think about like a compass, it was like, oh, off track, okay, we're gonna do Passover, orient to God, and like, off track, oh, it's time for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, orient ourselves to God. So these rhythms help them direct their love towards God. We might call this liturgy, golly, I need some water. Okay, all right, and what happened? As there's all these rival kingdoms that distract them, and they can't orient themselves to God. It's like consistently a problem. All right, so fast forward, New Testament. Jesus comes. Jesus comes. So he declared in his incarnation, God in flesh, that the kingdom of God is here. It all changes now, Right? So now we have this good news of repentance and forgiveness. We have resurrection power. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit and we have community. Okay, these are the gifts that have been given to the church. Jesus was the example of the perfect human because he was completely oriented in his love to God, loved God, loved others. The only example we have ever had of that, right? Okay, he was in perfect communion. So now, The first word we have of disciples. Let's look at the disciples. What did their discipleship look like? It was like apprenticeship. Literal copying. We see this in Mark 9 where Jesus walks on the water and Peter's like, okay, you're doing it, I'll do it. Like, it's copying. It's, you did it, I'll do it. And then Jesus ascends into the heavens and the early church begins to grow, begins to be formed. And that's because they had holy spirit infused worship specific practices like breaking bread together right they had discipleship that formed them and grew them as the people of God because it formed their heart and we see this in this verse in Acts 2 we read it all the time about what the early church did together all right so when I was thinking about this today I was like oh why Where's the disconnect, you know? Like we read Acts and we're like, oh, these disciples, they like changed their world. There was miracles. They were living in love, like it was dreamy. They were willing to get martyred for the faith. Like what's our deal? What's our problem? And I sort of stumbled upon in my reading, I read this fabulous book that I was like, that's it, that's it. Okay, so I um, drew a little diagram that you guys get to see that helped me sort of figure this concept out. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna show them my cute little diagram because my girl and her hair is so great. (laughs) So this is as good as it gets with me, guys. Alethe always asks me to draw stuff. She's like, can you draw me a mermaid? And I'm like, no. (laughs) I can write about mermaids all day long, but I cannot draw a mermaid. All right, so here is my diagram. Okay, so person right what we're calling the good life or telos all right teleological means this is the nerd in me you guys know i'm a nerd right okay i love nerd stuff and i finally embrace my inner nerd so teleological is the idea of always moving so we as created beings were made to move we are always moving towards a telos or an end okay we are teleological so the telos is the good life. Now, go back to the idea of Genesis, right? The good life. We all have a concept of what a good life is. And we are either consciously or subconsciously moving towards a good life. All right? In every good life, there's a story. All right? In the good life of the kingdom, there's, a, there's the redemption story of Jesus. But every good life has a story. Okay, so here I am, and I'm made to love, right? And so you have in the middle our actions, behaviors, rituals, habits, who we're imitating, our virtues and vice, our rule of life. I put everything in that bucket. This is what we do is in the middle. And everything we do is worship. It is literally liturgical. So when we use this word liturgy, we're going to sort of unpack that in a minute because some of us you guys hear it and it's like oh that's a that's not a good word we don't say that in like church anymore okay what we do ah nice bill thank you (laughs) all right it's good all right this is all liturgical now what we don't realize is what we do really forms our heart because as lovers have you heard that term love is a habit okay When when you're married, they say you have to, like, practice relationship with your spouse because that keeps you in love. We, We think that it's not. We think that what we do has no connection to what's happening in here. But what we do is forming our love, and our love is moving us towards the good life. So the things that we're doing and practicing literally is forming our hearts and moving us towards a good life, whether or not that good life has to do with the kingdom or not. Does this make sense? Does my diagram help for visual people? I was like, I have to get this out on paper. All right, this quote at the bottom, your deepest desire is the one manifested by your daily life and habits. So that's why discipleship is more about directing what we hunger after and what we thirst after than it is filling our heads with knowledge. So Isaiah 55:1 1 says this. I'm sorry if I'm jumping around, Bill. I think I probably am. All right. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. We are thirsty, and we are hungry. We are moving towards something. So what is it? What's in the middle? All right, liturgy. How many of you are scared right now that I'm about to talk about liturgy? (laughs) Uh, What is liturgy? It means the work of the people. And so we hear that and we're like, oh, well, that's just works. It's just dead religion. Liturgy is boring and irrelevant. And we can't have that in our church, okay? But really, liturgy was created to be the work of the people of God to respond to what God's already doing. So it's just another way to say worship. Like really, like that's, that's what it is. Liturgy is worship, all right? So when we talk about the reformers, the problem the reformers had with liturgy was that it had not become God-centered anymore. So the whole goal of liturgy is to be God-centered. It's to be a space carved out where we can respond to God in love. And so even though we wanna talk about how bad liturgical services are and all those traditions and they're just old and religious, I want us to maybe look with new eyes at maybe modern worship. And I don't say this in a place of judgment, I really don't. And it makes me really grateful for our church, but in the 80s there began this move to like really seeker-sensitive, people-centered worship. And it removed a lot of the God language. It removed um, the God focus. And so a lot of times our worship now is very um, performance-based. It's expressionistic. A lot of the language is about how we're expressing our love to God when the goal is God loving us and us responding. It's removed. Modern worship has removed a lot of the us language. And it's very like me and I and my. And it's removed some of the things about traditional worship the touching, the feeling, the smelling, the encountering, the conversation, the arc of the biblical story. We've just tried to, like, take all things out. And I think that's faulty liturgy, because if it's not God-centered. So this is why I believe sometimes what we, how we say we love God and what our lives look like may not coincide. And I say this me too. So it's not like, this is broad, this is not, I've, I've looked at you River City people and you're all very naughty and we're going to whip you into shape. No. <laughs> this is establishing a vision for how we move forward, okay? And so I think we need to learn how to direct our loves. We must learn to create the space for the Holy Spirit to encounter us in our habits, in our rituals, in our liturgy, and then the Holy Spirit begins to form our hearts. Romans 6, 17 says this, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have to come to obey from your what? Heart. The pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. So we've come to obey from our heart. Liturgy is the way we learn to put on Christ. That's what Luke, Luke, uh, Colossians 3 talks about putting on. All right, so I'm going to sort of begin to land this plane. All right, so we need to look at what, can you go back to that diagram, Bill, if, if possible? See that stuff in the middle? We have got to learn to look at that. We have got to learn to examine What we're doing, that's forming our love. We've got to be self-aware. We can't just let things do things to us and not know what it is. Um, And then I have a quote. I love this quote. All right. Our culture often sells us faulty, fantastical maps of the good life that paint alluring pictures that draw us toward them. All too often, we stake the expedition of our lives on them, setting sail toward them with every sheet hoisted. And we do so without thinking about it because these maps work on our imagination, not our intellect. It's not until we're shipwrecked that we realize we trusted faulty maps. Think about a commercial. Every commercial on TV tells a story, right? everything it's not playing on knowledge if it were knowledge they would just type stuff on the screen like you should take this it's going to help your health here's the fourteen thousand side effects that will happen if you take this okay yeah yeah they don't every commercial tells a story it's interesting watch my watching my kids watch commercials because they're like oh and i'm like no okay these things play our imagination And so a lot of times we're saying, oh, we love God, we love God, but our behavior is just like a sweeter version of what it means to be American. Really. Okay? It can explain why we are overworked, burned out, lack spiritual discipline, have difficulty connecting in community, and overall want to follow Jesus, but just, I don't want the time. I can't seem to want to do it. Oh, I just can't. All right, is that okay? Yeah. Are we still good? good? Okay, all right. Quick case study. Just trying to try like, I need to make this practical. I need to make this practical. Um, so let's just say we have a couple and they're named Darla and Joey. And Darla and Joey have their first child who will name Scott. So Darla takes Scott to the library for reading group. And at reading group, they're sitting around, and Darla's probably like two. Is Darla the baby? Who's the baby? Scott. Scott's the baby? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Baby <laughs> is around two-ish, okay, and they're at reading group. I'm just going to use mom dad because I can't keep track. All right. So um, the other little kids are like saying their ABCs. And let me preface this. because This comes out of a, not a true place for me, but a, I understand the story, so this is why I can use it. Like I get this. So um, the mom like looks and they're like, "Oh my gosh, that kid knows their ABCs. I'm in trouble. I, I got to teach my kid their ABCs. My, 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 my two-year-old has to know their ABCs." So they get home. Mom starts working with daughter every day. ABCs, ABCs. We got to know the ABCs. We're going to do colors. Oh, every week she sees what the, the other moms are doing with their kids, and she thinks, I, I have to do that. That must be what I need to do as a mom. So the little girl, get, little, girl little boy, whoever we are at this point, gets up in the morning <laughs> and says, I want to play with my Barbies. And the mom's like, no, no, we got we to gotta work on your ABCs and your colors and your shapes. You even have to know octagon. Like, you got to know all of these. And so what that mom begins to do is she begins to practice a liturgy of a, that is moving her towards a good life okay so if we were to look at the rituals and now that could go in a lot of different directions but we're not bullet your imaginations if i'm looking at the behavior at the rituals at the activity okay it's saying that i am moved, the good life is a child who is educated more than everyone else so education must mean value Education must mean worth. So my child will have worth if they are the smartest one in the room. That's the good life. So everything begins to move that mom towards that. I can say this because I have to actually resist this a lot, all the time. Like my kids are homeschooled, so they don't learn on the levels. And sometimes Nava's with her cousin, her cousin's like saying all this stuff, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta go homework on that, like right now. And I have to reorient and say, that is not the good life. That is not the good life. And so we have to be really practiced about what these secular liturgies that are worshiping rival kingdoms are doing to us because it's doing something to you. So here's my challenge. I want us to be people that are thinking through, like think through the cycle of your day, even the cycle of your year. What do you spend time on? What are you doing as habit every day? And what is the good life? What's the story that's carried in those liturgies? What is it moving you towards? And does it line up with the gospel story? Okay, that's the first thing. Let's just be people that are like really willing to look at ourselves. Okay, another thing: things, commit to community. Living in love, this is why we're like community, 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 community. You, this is so important. Why it's important is because if we have this idea of like capital L liturgy, which is corporate worship, everything flows out of corporate worship because when two or three are gathered, what he's there, okay? So, listen, liturgy is not just about some things we do, liturgy becomes God infused worship when we are together and the holy spirit is here and heaven meets earth that's important so it's important that you're here right now it's so this is literally forming your heart and so i just don't think you can watch tv and like grow in god i don't think you can watch a service on the internet you have to be here with your brothers and sisters and we have to be worshiping together and we have to be breaking bread together okay what i love and so i'm not saying like next week we're gonna be doing all kinds of liturgical services you guys don't have to be scared i promise but this is what i love about historical worship it's oriented to the biblical story it's rooted in the belief that god is the primary agent of worship it's non-consumeristic and it plays on our imagination. Think about the Psalms. When you read a Psalm, immediately, I've got a picture, right? The Eagles, even Joshua, I'm like, we get the picture. This is why I love breaking bread, because I can hold something, and I can look in your eyes and say, this is the body of Christ that was broken for you. We are tasting, we are experiencing. Those are the things that stick, that when I'm out there and I'm practicing these things, that's the language that comes out to me, right? If you have heard over and over, this is the body that was broken for you, you might pick up a piece of bread one day and look at it, and guess what you're going to think? This is the body that was broken for me. So the language is important. The images are important. The smells are important. Being together is important because it makes the gospel story stick. Worship should grab you at a gut level and restore your imagination for Shalom. So what else do I do when I'm out there? I'm committing myself to practices that sometimes I don't wanna do. We have language for it, word, worship, prayer. This is our language for the spiritual disciplines. Dallas Willard says that these are the conduits of the Spirit's transforming grace. So it, out of this gathering, that overflows into my life. And this last with a quote, end of the quote. So isn't this what Christian worship is also meant to do, week after week, to let the Spirit of God, with whom nothing is impossible, convince us that this could be, that despite a million voices crying otherwise, the gracious good news of the gospel is true. This is why I'm so grateful for you guys why these Sunday mornings have become life-giving, because when I'm with you, I believe it's true. Sometimes out there, I really doubt it. But when I'm with you, I am fully convinced this is true. Fully convinced. This is why worship is so important. Okay, so this is sort of out of the place that we're gonna move at River City. Um, We believe, for my heart, for spiritual formation, is that you would individually be formed by God and that as a people, we would be formed by God. So we're going to be looking at ways that we can do this. Okay, I have this idea that I'm super excited about for January, doing with some women. And so I'll share that with you when I get back from India. But it comes from this idea that we have to worship together. We have to be able to look at our own liturgies. And we have to be... um, positioning ourselves to be formed by God. Okay? All right. love you guys.
1: Give it up. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so here's, I, th- I think just appropriately, awesome. every time she shares, I'm like, totally am married to her, and y'all are not, so. <laughs> Sorry. She's awesome. Um, that's her all the time, too. Here's what I think would be a, a Appropriate. I think it's time to respond in, in the ways that she was saying. And so if that means sitting beside a brother or sister in this room and just sharing your heart, if that means praying with someone, if that means I, I, we don't even have communion ready, we can get some stuff and bring it in here and you guys can break bread together. In fact, if anybody wants to do that, go ahead and get it. If that means you just creating a space to worship, worship, if you guys wouldn't mind going ahead and coming up in just a moment. I think um, Julia just went to get the communion, so that's going to be awkward. But that's kind of her to get the communion. Um, Justin can come up. I just think for the next few moments, this space is created. This is something that can't happen online, right? Like, take advantage of brother, sister. This is so big. That's why why we share speaking opportunities, because we don't want to be a church just about Josh. Like, that would be terrible. So, but we're here together. And so as I pray, I would like to ask you guys to stand those of you who can, and as if she just spoke, we're responding to God, like corporately, singularly, we're responding to God. What is he leading you into right now? And Father, I trust that you speak to your children. So today we want to respond. There's going to be a prayer team back there, and there's going to be a prayer team back there if you need people to pray with you right now. They'll make themselves very um, apparent. So, Father, um, infuse every part of this. Thank you for Sarah's word. just awesome. Thank you for the body of Christ that we get to walk with and hear. I thank you that even right now, you're moving on hearts in Jesus' name. You're beginning to speak life into people's hearts in Jesus' name. You're beginning to build faith in Jesus' name. You're even beginning to put your finger on a liturgy that we've been following that's leading us to a, a false version of the good life. And you're screaming out at us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good life, and I am here, and I am for you, not against you. Reach out. So hear him screaming over you. Hear him singing over you. I love you. And respond. Jesus, let us respond to you appropriately. Just give space for the next, um, the next few moments.
0: Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at com.